Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Proverbs, chapter 6, verse 6 through 11. That's Proverbs, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler. Yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers, gathers its food at harvest. How long will you lie there, you sluggard? When will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here and good to see you. Um, I think we saw in the pictures before the basketball league, I actually played, even though there's no evidence, picture evidence of me playing last week, and I played, and it's like I'm at that point where your mind thinks that you can do this, and then your body is so far from what your mind was projecting. And I think I remember doing this one move where I spinned. I thought I can spin, go under the basket, do an easy layup. I spin and the ball was already out of my hands. It went to someone else's hands. Oh, okay, anyway. But if you uh, would like to watch us play basketball, it's at uh, the, the Eastern Christian High School. And a lot of us are going to play and have a good time. I believe it's an extension of our worship fellowship. So that's why a lot of um, people, um, you know, come and enjoy it. And even just watching is enjoyable to a lot. Um, We have a lot of things going on in our church, actually. We have missions coming up. Uh, Just in a few weeks, we have a Mexico mission trip. We're going to have a few people headed out for there. And then we have the Japan mission trip in May. And we have a Philippines mission trip in August. We may even have a college mission trip uh, sometime during the summer. So if you're interested, now's the time to speak up because now's the time we're going to get teams together. It takes a, it takes a long time to prep, but we also want to buy plane tickets in advance. And if you don't know the way we do missions because you're new, I'll just briefly explain it. Uh, Pilgrim Church pays for your entire expense minus the airfare. So if you're a member of this church, we support you by paying for all your housing, your food, your ground expenses, and all you have to do is come up with the money for airfare, which is a great deal, especially because we really believe in the work that we're doing. In Mexico, we work with our youth. In Japan, we do an outreach program where we gather all these people to give a gospel concert to introduce them to Jesus. And the Philippines will be one of our first, well, we went a few years before, but we stopped and we're going to start it up again and reconnecting, see what we can do there. But we, all, we have a ton of ministries that we can do with the local people in that area. And so there's a lot of stuff going on just in missions, but even locally we have a newcomers class and the leadership class that you just saw. 
Uh, we have a lot of stuff going on. So if you're interested, please come speak to me. Uh, we are setting up something in the back where you can sign up. There's a TV that we install in the back that'll loop the announcements because it's hard to remember. As exciting as Christine and Eugene are when they come up to give the announcements, sometimes, you know, other things are on our mind. Like, you know, what am I going to eat after this? That kind of stuff. So I understand. I, I uh, resonate with that. But then we're going to try to set that up. But until then, please come and speak to me because time is moving along. And I know that there are some people that are interested in newcomers. I wanted to do it uh, every quarter. But, you know, there's just been a lack of manpower. And so probably maybe once or twice, twice a year. Probably going to do it uh, every six months or so. But if you're interested, let me know. And the more people that are interested, the more we can get this going. We have been going through the seven killjoys in this sermon series. And it's formerly known as the seven deadly sins. Um, Pride, envy, anger, greed, sloth, gluttony, lust. And they were called the seven deadly sins and we know that they are very lethal. The reason why we call them killjoys is because we want to also reinforce that all sin is deadly. It's just that these seven represent so much of a deeper sin, a root sin. Species of sin come out from these sins, and a host of sins often spring from these sins. But at its essence, let me remind you that sin is the declaration that something other than God is more to be desired than God. And today we go and we're going to explore sloth. A lot of people know this as laziness. And I have to say, saying that someone is lazy or being called lazy is probably one of the things that I hated the most hearing growing up. Not just hearing it of myself, mind you, but just people saying it would make me not happy, upset many times. I always thought if you called someone lazy, it's because you're just using it as a dismissive term to describe someone that you can't motivate. And so I always put that blame on the person saying the word lazy. I can't make you do what I want you to do, so I'm just going to call you lazy. Sloth is not like that. Sloth is different. So if you saw sloth and you're like, I wonder what this has to do. Because I get pride. You know, I get anger. You know, I get all these other things. But sloth, does it really count as one of the seven deadly sins historically? And how is it really a killjoy? But sloth takes its rightful place among the seven deadly sins Because it is, when expressed, emotional and spiritual apathy. At first glance, it might simply look like laziness, but sloth is much more complex and much more deeper than that. And we're just going to go through three expressions of sloth. Number one, it's doing too little. Number two, it's doing too much. And number three, it's doing just enough. And you heard me correctly. Sloth 
is expressed three ways, doing too little, doing too much, and doing just enough. If this confuses you, that's good. That means I got you. But let's go with the first one, too little. A lot of people see this as idleness. Bible calls it being a sluggard. It's a very familiar expression of sloth. Proverbs 26.15 is one of the more interesting proverbs that I like. And it says that a sluggard buries his hand in the dish, but he is too lazy to bring it to his mouth. And I always pictured that, reading it as a kid. It's like, wow, how lazy must this guy have been if he went to eat food and he can't even bring it to his mouth. But that is a picture of idleness. And one thing my mom used to always tell me growing up, she wanted to instill within me good principles and good values. And she would quote from Second Thessalonians. She would say, if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. And so when I wasn't working, when there was a transition between jobs when I was younger, she would quote this to maybe get me back on my feet a little quicker. And she would say things like, you know, you just can't stay home. It's like, mom, collecting unemployment, it's pretty okay right now. But she would say, no, you still have to work. If you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And she would quote from this. This is a true story. A man actually decided to grow a strawberry patch. And in this strawberry patch, uh, he decided to grow in his backyard because he loved strawberry jam. He didn't like any other store-bought jam or preserves or marmalade, whatever you want to call it, jelly. And so he grew his own strawberries in the back. And because it was underneath this huge tree, the sand, uh, I'm sorry, the soil wasn't that good. It was a little sandy. It was a bit on the sandy side, but, you know, he did what he could. And in the beginning, a few weeds popped up, and he didn't really take care of that. And, you know, he would still harvest the strawberries at the year end. But after a while, the weeds would come up more and more. And one year, he went out to harvest the strawberries, and there weren't even enough to make one jar. And so he couldn't enjoy it. So what do you have to tell yourself? You have to tell yourself, you know what? I didn't like strawberries anyway. It's not that good. Might as well get the store-bought. And now Whole Foods will sell it for $25,000. So I'll just buy one jar over there. And then we miss start making excuses. And if you think about it, you might say, yeah, sure, him. He, he's kind of slothy in that way, a little lazy in that way. If only he picked it up, picked up the weeds, it would have been okay. But isn't life like that? You leave one or two weeds and it starts growing and then all of a sudden, overnight it seems, there are so many you can't start picking them up anymore. To pull the weeds to be dis- to, is to destroy the strawberry patch. And you find yourself in this situation just because of one or two weeds you may have missed. It's the end of February. How does this relate to us? So how about we ask ourselves, it's only been two months, but how is your New Year's resolution coming along? Usually people get really quiet because they can't even remember the New Year's resolution. It's like, what did I do again? What did I say I was going to do? But in the beginning, you're like, yes, this year, 
2016 is my year. It's the year of Eugene. And then you head in with a lot of fervor and a lot of excitement. It's only been two months. How is your New Year's resolution coming along? In the Bible, it talks about the opposite of a slugger, which is the ant. And the ant, we look to the ant and we see that the ants have division of labor. They have communication between individuals. They have the ability to uh, solve complex issues and problems. And then you see if we are to look at the opposite of what we want of a sluggard, it would be the ant. And you look at the ant, and it's humble, but it always, always stores up for the winter. It always has strawberry jam. It always figures out what the New Year's resolution is, and it completes it. And so that's a really, really challenge, a big challenge to us as people who always make these resolutions, who always make promises, who always make commitments, but can never follow through. Number two, too much. Doing too much. It's being really busy. And a lot of people might not see this as a characterization of sloth, but it is. Tony Rinke calls it the vocational diligence that can only coexist. And sloth is apathy to asking, seeking, and knocking in pursuit of eternal life. In the book of Ecclesiastes, it puts these two together very well. Idleness and busyness. And the first verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, the first verse of verse 5, it says, Fools fold their hands and ruin themselves. But the second verse in verse 6 says, Better one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. So sloth is not just being idle, but it's also being so busy. And how busy? And it seems as though in our day, in our life, in this culture, this is more like us. There are a few of us that are a little lazy, I suppose, that are lethargic when stress comes. But I think a lot of us go the opposite way, the other extreme. And it's almost natural for us when things get tough, we start drowning ourselves in busy work. It's like when your house is burning, you're busy working on the backyard. There was a 32-year-old man. I don't know if you heard this story before, but there was a 32-year-old man. He was a Ferguson protester, and he was uh, very angry, and he decided he's going to make uh, the Molotov cocktail, right? That, that thing you put inside the alcohol and then you light it up and you throw the bottle and it kind of blows up. And he was so angry, he was protesting, he turned around and he threw it at this one building and that building, he realized, was his own house. I'm not even kidding. This is a true story. You can look it up. This is his quote. It was dark. I got all turned around. I thought it was a 7-Eleven or something. And that's what he said when, the, when, when they interviewed him. He was so angry and so busy by, being, by protesting, he forgot that, you know, I need to take care of my own house. And he tried to stop the fire, but unfortunately, the fire 
that he started burn down his entire house. And when he, conti- when he called 911, they responded, we are so busy putting out so many fires. We'll get to you in this order. And then he responded, it must be because I'm black. And he would say, I pay for these firefighters. How dare they not come out and put out my fire? Now, I don't want to go into this whole racial issue, but what I am trying to point out is that a lot of times when something happens, instead of putting blame where it should be, we immediately, instinctively, reactively start blaming others. And we want to blame someone else. How dare the firefighters not come? Because of them, my house is burned down. I pay taxes. I pay for their life. And they don't come. When we, go, when we become extremely busy, we start losing focus of what's most important. And we drown ourselves within our work when we see and notice that our house is burning. So both this idleness and this busyness are incredibly self-centered. And it is a slothful way of living life that invariably leads to death and demise. Because neither lives to love And neither lives to worship the true creator. I'm going to go to this third point here. And it's just enough. I think we can start seeing that sloth is idleness and busyness. But a huge misconception is that sloth is desireless. It's untrue. And the way we respond because we have this misconception is that, oh, you don't care because you're just lazy. Not true. Not true. In fact, the sloth is full of desires. They want to eat. They have the bowl in front of them. The food is there because they are hungry. The desire is there. In Proverbs 13, 4, it says, a slugger's appetite is never filled. In Proverbs 21, 25 to 26, it says, The craving of the slugger will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. All day long, he craves for more. And in busyness, we see the slothful side of busyness in Luke chapter 10. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village when a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. It's easy these days to be busy with distraction. The reason why we don't like it when people come up and read the Bible with their phones here is because at any time you can get a notification And that would distract you, disrupt you from reading the word of God in front of the congregation. And so we encourage people to either have an iPad or a tablet of some sort or the actual book itself. And recently I've uh, really tapped into this function called Do Not Disturb. And 
I, the iPhone has it, and Android, I don't know up to what uh, capabilities it has. I'm sure it has to some degree. You can set a schedule or a time. So from, let's say, from 10 a.m., which is mine, 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. on a certain day, uh, I want to make sure that I'm not disturbed during my quiet time. I don't even want, want my phone to light up. But if it's an emergency, let's say, you know, I need to go to the hospital for some reason, I want it to light up. So it has that function where it'll stop every single notification except from your contacts if they call twice. That's how I set it up. And yet, somehow, sometimes people get through. It's, it's, it's kind of frustrating. But it's e- we're easily distracted is what I'm trying to say. But Martha was also distracted with much serving. And she went up to him, Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. This busyness keeps us then, just like idleness keeps us then from the Lord Jesus, from listening to him from being with him. What about just enough? And Frederick Buechner, in his book, Wishful Thinking, A Theology, ABC, he writes, sloth is not to be confused with laziness. A lazy man, a man who sits around and watches the grass grow, may be a man at peace. His sun-drenched bumblebee dreaming may be the prelude to action or itself an act well worth the acting. A slothful man may be a very busy man. He is a man who goes through the motions, who flies on automatic pilot. Like a man with a bad head cold, he has mostly lost his sense of taste and smell. He knows something is wrong with him, but not wrong enough to do anything about. Other people come and go, but through glazed eyes, he hardly notices them. He is letting things run their course. He is getting through his life. Sloth is when your life passes by you and you're wondering where did all that time go i worked hard i played hard i did all these things very yoshimi very well i did I, i i put in my time where did all that time go why do I, when I spin, I want to just go under the basket? Where, why am I so old? And we, we might be thinking that and asking ourselves that. But sometimes, yes, we do work hard. For what, though? When I was younger, in my 20s, there was a game that came out. And I told this once when I was a youth pastor. And I remember after I told this story, so I'm preempting. And this one youth, youth student came up to me and said, I can't believe you played that game. I'm so disappointed in you. I was like, what? (laughs) But I used to play this game. It was called the World of Warcraft. And in this game, it's like another life. So I wanted to be top in my server. I'm sure none of you really can relate. So I worked at HSBC Bank. I wake up at 7 to get there. And then I come home around 8 p.m. So from 7 to 8 p.m., I would be out and then after that, I would come home and play WoW, uh, World of Warcraft. We called it WoW because it's so amazing, WoW. Eh. But I would play that from 8 p.m. to about 3 a.m. Uh, I'd have my, if I had to eat dinner, I'd just tell the guys on the computer, 
guys, I'll be back in five minutes, that kind of thing. I, I, had a, I remember one time I had a full crate of Monster, and that's the only thing that kept me up. And it would be littered all over my desk. I had this U-shaped desk, and it would be littered all over my desk, and I would just be drinking Monster while playing this game because I needed to sleep at least three hours. Because if I slept three hours, then I can function through the, rest, the next day. And I really wanted to get number one in this, in this game, this server. And so that's what I would do. And I remember taking one monster bottle. And I was just playing. And I took this one bottle and I put it in my mouth. And some liquid did come in my mouth. But it tasted so bad. So I spit it back out and it was black. And so I had confused one monster that I recently opened with one that was left out there for maybe months. I don't know. And it was just gross. So that was my life for a while. <laughs> and then people were just like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. And yeah, and I functioned that way. But other, other people, they work true so that they can keep up their weekend habits. I work so that I can have this hobby. And I pour out my life in this hobby. I work so that I can. What do you work so you can? And a lot of people say it truthfully and honestly today. We work for the weekend. We work so that we can get blank. You know, the Bible has a very different picture of what work is supposed to be like. Instead of taking your vocation and job for yourself, the Bible's main concern is this vocation, this job that you have should be blessing your neighbors. It should be blessing others. So my idea of career, job, and vocation have become twisted. And my workplace becomes a place where I need to showcase me. Perhaps it's not just to make money so I, so I work for the weekend. But perhaps it's even just to be busy so that I can showcase me, myself, I. It's all about my needs in the end getting met. It's about supporting me. In the end, it's about me. But the kingdom of God does not work in this manner. His kingdom is not just about me. His kingdom is about you. His economy isn't just about lifting me and my habits. But his economy is about supporting you. His social structure isn't about, hey, everyone listen to me. Because my life is the most important. It's about let me listen to you and care For you, in the end, sloth is incredibly deceitful because it has twisted our desires. It's not about working or not working. It's deeper than that. Slothfulness deters us from seeing God himself. You know something is wrong because you don't see him. You don't have a relationship with him. There is an emptiness, but you can't do anything about it. You don't know anything that you can do that's even relevant. And you realize even if I work hard, even if I don't work hard, it doesn't help my situation. The sin of sloth eventually will put us in an emotional and spiritual apathy that will keep us from tapping into the true joy that we were meant for. The desire of the sloth becomes twisted and evil and it makes us miss the mark of joy 
that was supposed to be for our souls. You know what we were meant for? We were meant for plenty. We were meant for rest. But the only way to find these things is in the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is rest from work this Sunday where you enjoy this time where you can sit down and not look at your phone, not be just bombarded with work things. This is Sabbath. What does that mean, though? Sabbath means that you can finally enjoy the fruit of your labor. So whether you work or not work, when you finally work, what, what, what's the purpose when you can't even enjoy it? But Sabbath means we can enjoy the fruits of our labors. In our Bible study session, we went over Mark chapter 2. And the disciples were plucking grain. And the Pharisees accused Jesus' disciples of doing something unlawful on Sabbath because they had made this rule where you couldn't even walk a certain distance, where you, couldn't, where you had to abstain from any kind of work, even plucking grain. And the disciples were doing that because they were hungry. They were passing through this area, and there was some grain. They were hungry, started plucking and eating it. And they accused them. Of doing what was unlawful. But you see, Jesus turns it around in this story. Jesus draws the attention away from the disciples to himself. The accusations that were going to the disciples, he brings on himself. You see, in the end, when the accuser comes, there is... No escape. The Bible says he comes to kill and to destroy. If we're honest with ourselves, who isn't lazy? Who isn't overly busy? Who isn't just doing barely enough to get by so that they can get their weekend habits going? And you have to ask yourself, is there another choice? If it's not those three, is there even another choice? When the accuser comes, is there a way out? And Jesus shows us here, he takes on the accusations and brings it upon himself. He lived that perfect life we could not live. That was impossible for us to live. And he covers us with it. Jesus draws the attention away from the accuser, from us being accused. And he put that sin upon himself. And he was crucified for it. And he was killed for it. But death could not hold him. Those accusations could not keep him underground. For God had a destiny, a plan. And he saw his plan through. Jesus rose again from the dead. And whoever believes in him, there is a way out. There is finally another choice. Where every other choice led to death and demise. There is finally a choice where we can have that has eternal life. And that choice is in Jesus Christ.
He lived that perfect life so that we can also have it. And we can be eternally in it. There are many of us that are suffering from some kind of form of sloth. And my admonition to you is this. Turn to Jesus. You know, we saw that, the pictures of Ash Wednesday. But the ash reminded us of our fallibility, our brief moment here on earth. From dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Our life here is brief. But through Jesus Christ, our second line says this, therefore turn to Christ and follow him. Jesus offers us life eternal. In our soul, our ultimate desire eventually, I believe, essentially, is eternal life in Christ. We want to live forever. We do. We want to stay younger. We want all these things. And I have to say the only way is Christ. We have tried it for millennia after millennia after millennia. We have tried to do it on our own. There is no other way. So turn to Christ and follow him. He is the way to everlasting and watch him change your life. Watch him turn things where you never thought possible before. I never thought I can have this kind of honest reaction from my heart. But I see God doing something new in me where I can truly care for the other person. And I don't have to even be recognized. Turn and follow Christ. Let's take this time to pray and meditate upon the message that we have learned and heard today. What part of sloth has affected your life? Is it doing nothing? Is it doing too much or is it doing just enough to get by? Or is it doing, and maybe it's a little of everything. But God wants us to turn to Him and He wants to give us the greatest gift, the greatest joy there is. He wants to show us Jesus Christ, His life for us, the perfect life that gives us true joy. So turn to Him. Let's turn to Him in our prayers. Let's turn to Him with our hearts at this time. And let's pray.